it is this like living, breathing thing. And to bring it to life, it takes the telling of it out loud. So for example, when I'm telling a story in a keynote, I don't write it down. I just tell it and tell it and tell it um, until it gets to a point where you realize, oh, this is this is the story. Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or you've lost your gratitude journal once again, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents, caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm an intuitive business and health coach. And I'm here to inspire you to choose to wake up with gratitude every single day. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm Julie Boyer, and today I have the honor and privilege to be interviewing Kendra Hall. Kendra's book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, Silence Your Inner Critic, and Rewrite Your Life from the Inside Out, launches today, January 11th, 2022. As I was preparing for the podcast, I had a chance to take a look at the book ahead of time. And I have to say that I absolutely adored it. I learned so much about myself and the stories that I've been telling myself and how some of these stories have not been serving me. The other thing that's great about this book is that not only do we learn to identify these stories and understand how they are affecting our everyday life and the decisions that we make, Kindra shows us how to overcome and change these stories in order to truly create the life that we desire. If you haven't had the chance to connect with Kindra and her work yet, let me tell you a little bit more about the author. Kendra Hall is President and Chief Storytelling Officer at Stellar Collective, a consulting firm focused on strategic application of storytelling to today's communication challenges. Kendra's message spans all industries, and her clients include Facebook, Hilton Hotels, Tyson Foods, Target, Berkshire Hathaway, and Harvard Medical School. Her Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Stories That Stick, was released by Harper Leadership in the fall of 2019, which Forbes said may be the most valuable business book you read. Kendra has become the go-to expert for storytelling in business and beyond. Her work can be seen on Inc.com, Entrepreneur.com, and as the Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine. I was introduced to Kendra a number of years ago. She spoke at a convention that I attended in person, and I also got to hear her speak at a virtual convention last year. We talk about some of the things that she hasn't talked about on other podcasts and interviews before, including how does she come up with her stories. We talk about also our shared passion for The Wizard of Oz. And of course, we talk about the relationship between gratitude and storytelling. Before we dive into the interview, I wanted to share something really exciting about the podcast. I launched the podcast in December of 2019, and just last week, we hit over 100,000 downloads. And I want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you who are listening to this podcast episode, those of you who have been here for many other episodes, and some of you since the beginning. Thank you for every time you download an episode, you share it with a friend, and especially a huge thank you for those that take the time to leave a review. 
Did you know that Spotify has made it much easier to leave a review for the podcast now? You can do so directly on the app with just the click of a button. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a written review as well as a star review through Apple Podcasts as well. Thank you so much in advance for taking the time to do that. These reviews help other people to find the podcast and help the podcast grow. And finally, a thank you to everyone who's here for the very first time. If you want to learn a little bit more about me and what Wake Up With Gratitude is all about, you can find me at wakeupwithgratitude.com. Okay, friends, let's get into this interview with Kendra Hall, author of Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boye, and today I have the honor and privilege to have Kendra Hall with me on the podcast. Hello, Kendra. Julie, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. Now, for those of you who have yet to meet Kendra or be introduced to her, she is the president and chief storytelling officer at Stellar Collective. She is a professional storyteller, and I can't wait to ask her more questions about that. Um, Her Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Stories That Stick, was released back in the fall of 2019, and Forbes had said, maybe the most valuable business book you read. Now, she has become uh, the go-to expert in storytelling and biz- for business and beyond. So her work can be seen on Inc.com, Entrepreneur.com, and as the Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine, which is one of my favorite publications. So, But we're here today because today is the launch of her brand new book, which I have had the chance to preview. So her book is called Choose Your Story, Change Your Life silence your inner critic and rewrite your life from the inside out. So Kendra, this is exciting. How are you feeling about this book launch day? I'm, you know, it has been a long time coming. I think that for anyone who has written a book, you know, the, the, it's, it's so many different phases. It's the weeks and months thinking about the book and then it's the writing the book and then <laughs> it's the editing the book. And then finally, it's the period of time where you're talking about it. And then there's the day when choose your story, change your life is out on the shelf. And it's like, ah, and then the work begins. So yes. I'm so happy to be here on this day. Um, and have the book arriving on doorsteps across the country, across the world. Yeah, me too. Very excited. And uh, I've just, I'm so excited because we're, of course, we're recording this ahead of time and I've had a chance to preview the book. And so we're going to get into it, but I always ask my guests, and I'm sure you can tell us a wonderful story about this, but I'm very curious, you know, did a little uh, elementary school Kendra think that she would grow up to be a professional storyteller? <laughs> oh, wow. Um You know, I, well, I told my first story when I was 11, which was fifth grade. So it was the very end of my elementary school career when I got the first inkling that this was something that I was good at and um, wanted to know more about. It, It was kind of like... Have you ever read the book, What to Do with an Idea? Oh, it's one of my favorite books. It's a children's book. Um, okay. And it is, it, it's about this 
child who has this idea, but it's like this golden orb thing. And and he goes through this whole process of it kind of following him around and him not understanding it and then him sharing it with people and getting made fun of and then pushing it away into, you know, some other corner. Um, and so, yes, uh, it was very clear at a young age that storytelling and I were going to have a long relationship. Um, it wasn't really defined at that time or for many, many years, decades later, what that relationship would eventually turn out to be. But I'm very grateful that storytelling, that that idea was very patient with me as I went through all of my iterations of, of what that relationship could be and become in the world. I love that. I, I think there is such a power in an idea and that I love what you said about the idea being patient and waiting for <laughs> you because it's true. We all get so many ideas. Some of us on a daily basis mm-hmm. and then it's up to us whether we do something about it. And sometimes by the time we're ready, the idea is gone and someone else has done it. So yeah, it, it is exciting. You know, I was like, what is her title? I was trying to figure that out. And I thought professional storyteller really um, outlines who you are and the work that you do and the way that you speak. There's something though, that I've always been curious about. So when you're thinking about your stories, when you're getting ready to do maybe a keynote or even as the book process, I'm curious if, does the story form in your head and then you write it or do you speak it first and then write it? Mm, That is an excellent question. And it's actually a it's it's a bit of a challenge. Um, my preferred and the way that I was taught or raised or mentored, I suppose you could say, my storytelling mentor is a man by the name of Donald Davis, um, and a dear friend and and a huge influence on me and my storytelling. And I remember him saying, and it being so true that. Um, a story. Uh, so actually, to be honest, I don't remember exactly what he said, but now I remember how I saw it. It is this like living, breathing thing. And to bring it to life, it takes the telling of it out loud. So for example, when I'm telling a story in a keynote, I don't write it down. I just tell it and tell it and tell it um, until it gets to a point where you realize, oh, this is this is the story. So some versions of it, early versions included this part and some early versions didn't have this. And, and that got left behind and that got added in until it was by nature. I just kind of told the story for the most part the same way over and over again. And then ideally that's when you write it down. Now, you know, for many people, they write different than they speak. I think that's the reason that my writing is how I speak because I write it after it's been spoken so many times. Uh, The challenge then 
So that's a really beautiful thing when it comes to keynote speaking or live storytelling, uh, because that's the medium. That's the way in which you're delivering the message. The challenge then is when you write a story because you're writing a book or you're writing a blog or you're writing even something as simple as an Instagram post. And when you're writing, you choose the words as they fit on the page and, and what you want the sentences to flow like. And, um, and you spend a lot of time perfecting that and going back and editing when you're, when you're telling it live, you can't go back and edit it in the moment, right? It's already out there. You can only edit it the next time you tell it. So with so much attention to that detail, when you're writing a story, I find that it is and this is something I'm working on, um, it is very challenging then to take a story from the pages and put it up on a stage. Okay. Because you, you, the way I wrote it is the way I wanted the story to be, but I don't memorize stories because then you're thinking about the words. So for example, it's one of the reasons that uh, the opening story in the book stories that stick is about a cologne, um, an experience with cologne. And I very rarely tell that story on stage because I like how it's written in the book. And so I, whenever I tell it on stage, I'm overly critical of, of the way that I told it out loud. Um, which I'm sure I could get over. I could work on it, tell it out loud, out loud, out loud, because it's been a long time since I've written it. But anyway, that's a very long answer to a question that no one else has ever asked me before, but clearly I feel very strongly about it. Oh my gosh. I thank you for sharing that because, okay, so the reason I asked is that I have blogged for many, many years, but my medium that I'm the best in is this kind of podcast and speaking. I'm really better at telling the story in this mm-hmm. way. And often I don't write my speech. I never write myself ahead of time. I practice it orally. Yeah. But the reason I wanted to ask Kendra is that when you, in your new book, Use Your Story, Change Your Life, the stories are so well-written, so engaging. And so I was really not surprised, but just like in awe of the fact that I know that you're an amazing storyteller when you speak, you know, I get your weekly emails. I hear your stories. I've heard you speak live on a number of occasions and then to read your work and have the stories also come off the page the way that they Mm. did really surprised me. So I was very curious about your process. So thanks for sharing that with us. That was, um, that was great. I love yeah. that you kind of went all over the place and figured out your own answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. So I don't think you'll ever, you'll ever see. Yeah. You, I don't know when, which of those stories you would ever see on a stage because they are on the page. And if you do see them on a stage, it means that I had to work very hard to get them up there. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. This is so much fun. So I really want to talk though, because I you've got, for those that are watching the video, you've got the, the cover of your book in the back. Yeah. A yellow brick road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can we just talk for one moment about that time when the Wizard of Oz became such a powerful story in your own life? Yeah, I... I mean, I loved the Wizard of Oz from the first moment I ever saw it. I remember it was in my parents' basement or in my 
childhood home, like the first starter home that we had. And uh, we were down in the basement and I think it was almost on, like, I think it was on television. I think they played it like once a year and it was a huge deal. My mom, you know, we, to see it, is that right? Yeah. Did it just play once a year? Yeah. It totally played on television back in the day for sure. And it was like a huge, today is the wizard of Oz day. And so I always wanted to be Dorothy for Halloween. Um, I made Dorothy Christmas ornaments and I I loved everything about it. Uh, and even even as a kid, I could pick up on those. I mean, almost to its almost to its demise, The Wizard of Oz is filled with so many archetypes and metaphors, and you know it could. And they, and in some ways, they kind of get tangled up on each other. If you really think about it, um, it's hard to dissect the whole thing. But there were a few things that really stood out for me, and that was. A, the ruby slippers, just because they were so beautiful. Um, but the idea that... Actually, I want to come back to the ruby slippers. Uh, there's the Emerald City, yep. which is this destiny, this place you want to get to that you don't fully understand, but you know all the answers to your life are there, right? And that's just where you want to go. Um, you need to be there. And I think we're all searching for our Emerald City and many different aspects of our lives. Um, The yellow brick road. I loved that there was just a built-in road that as long as you could find it, you just had to get on it and follow it to the Emerald City. Like it was pretty straightforward. Um, And so I spent a lot of time just trying to find the yellow brick road. And I think ultimately, you know, now even months after writing the book, um, the thing and we change so much in just a couple of months. I don't, I don't know about you, but I feel like, I mean, my kids grow an inch a month, I swear. And I feel like a hundred different neuro pathways are switching places in my head every given week. Um, but the power of the Ruby slippers and ultimately that at the end of the journey, Dorothy realizes that everything she needed was right there inside of her. Um, and so there was a moment and I write the story in the book of going to see a community theater production of The Wizard of Oz. And this I was so excited to see at that point, I really wanted to see the Yellow Brick Road because um, I'd been looking all over for it and hadn't been able to find it. And so it's 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 like comes with the territory. I mean, these were free tickets, but but I, I was pretty sure I paid for this Yellow Brick Road. Um, and when the time came for everybody to dance down the yellow brick road, uh, there was nothing there. It was a very low budget production. Um, and I was furious. I, I was upset at first. Like I was very concerned at first that, cause how was she, how was Dorothy ever going to get to the Emerald city with no yellow brick road? Very concerned by all my fellow theater goers and that nobody else seemed to recognize that there was a serious problem here. Like this, this plot was, it was going to go downhill uh, to the point where I stood up and actually yelled out in the middle of the theater that there, there wasn't a yellow brick road. Um, And it was that, and everybody stopped and stared. I mean, it was, um, and it was at that moment that my mother said to me, you know, we, you can't just go find a yellow brick road. We, we have to build them ourselves. And you know, again, even at the time, I 
I understood the gravity of that. Now I understood it as like a child. It's like, oh my, wait, wait. So I want to get to the Emerald City and now I got to carry around like a backpack, a brick. Like what, how, how does this actually work? Um, But yeah, to see it now as an adult and realize that we really are day by day, brick by brick, story by story, as is my thesis, building the path to our future. Um, and we're in control of what bricks we lay and and where they take us. Oh, okay. I just, would it be okay if I shared with you a little story from my own of life? Of course, I would love that, please. How much I was totally engaged with the book as soon as I read the first story because when I was in fifth grade, I started at a new school and uh, they had, they did musical theater at the school. It was a very small school. It was only about 200 kids, but they did musicals every year. Wow. Such a small school. It was pretty amazing. And I auditioned, never auditioned for anything in my life. And that year we were doing The Wiz, which is not the same as The Wizard of Oz. Right. I love the song. It's the cool, it's the cool new version. It's yeah. The yeah. Cool version. yeah. It's the Harlem version. So yeah. uh, we, I auditioned for this and I was cast as Dorothy. Wow. It was pretty exciting. So I got to wear, you know, Ruby slippers, got to be in the show, sing all these songs, all these amazing things. It really is one of those experiences that, you know, sticks in my mind. We were on the front page of the local paper Wow. as we were doing the whiz. And what's so crazy, Kendra, to me is that the reason why this story sticks in my mind so much is that that was like the peak of my career. (laughs) So fifth grade. So I'm like, I'm the lead in the show. I continued doing theater all through elementary school and high school. I did community theater, which is also why I giggled because I was in many community theater productions, (laughs) but never again did I escape the chorus. There's, I mean, choruses are great. There's always a place for them. Yeah. For me, that like Dorothy moment was really this moment in my life where I thought my life was going to go one way. And it went a very different way. So I had my own, you know, Wizard of Oz whiz moment in that time when I I thought that I would continue with this career as this lead in the show and it was never to come again. So it's, it's so interesting interesting to me. Um, And I think this makes me think back to one of the things you said in your book, which is knowing where we are in the story. You know, at that time in my life, I thought that was my story. I thought that's where I was going. I knew that's what was happening. But you have a really important point that you share about how, why is it so important for us to actually know where we are in the story? We'll be right back to the podcast in just a few short moments. My friends, I have a gift for you. I created a beautiful gratitude meditation that you can download directly to your phone. What I love about this gratitude meditation is that it's a great way to start your day. And I encourage you to turn your phone on airplane mode before you go to sleep. And the nice thing about having a meditation that's downloaded to your phone is that you don't need to turn your phone off airplane mode before you start your day with gratitude. So to access this gratitude meditation, please visit bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. It's all one word and gratitude, love, and letter are all capitalized. So that's bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. As a bonus, 
I'll be sharing with you my weekly gratitude love letter into your inbox. It's something that will bring joy and happiness and of course, gratitude to your inbox every single week. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. You'll hear about other podcasts and blogs and articles that I find interesting and want to share with you. And I also share some of my favorite photos that I've taken that week. So if we're not connected on social media, you'll get the best of wake up with gratitude in your inbox as well. All right, friends, let's get back into this episode of the podcast. Yeah. I, I'm, we, we always have, uh, the desire to, uh, to know what the ending is, right? I mean, I, I, read the, I read the plot on any moderately suspenseful movie way in advance, like, or while I'll pause the movie, if I haven't read it, I did this with how to train your dragon. I mean, I, it, that's a kid's movie. And I was very distraught at one point and I paused the movie. I read to the end to make sure that the dragon lives happily ever after. And then I could watch the movie. Like I wanted to know. Um, and we do that with, we do that with our own, lives. Um, and we also have this, we have this desire to, um, to put periods at the ends of stories and, and to, and to think, and while we do have, it's such an interesting duality because while we do have control over our stories in many ways, we don't, we don't, necessarily have control over how the story plays out. They, there are plot twists and ripped out pages and, you know, milk gets poured on it and the words bleed all over. Um, and, and that is a part of life. What we ultimately have control over is how we bear witness to our stories. And I, I think it's, in the book I talk about, and this is something that I honestly, I want to write an entire book about the power of recognizing the middle of stories. And, um, when things are not making sense, when things aren't working out, when things are, you know, you're faced with challenges when, and it could be really, it could be on a very big scale. Uh, it could be on a very small scale. Um, you know, we just had just a couple of weeks, two weeks before the launch date, right around the holidays, my family tested positive for COVID, right? And so here we are, like, we thought we were good. Like we thought, I mean, we know we were, but we pretty much thought we were good. And so, I mean, upending holiday plans was the least of our worries. I have a book that I'm supposed to be promoting and talking about and podcast after podcast and interview and, you know, the, the passion and the energy and it just all, and, and the importance of in that moment, right? So think about this, like I'm, I'm supposed to have this big party, but can we have, I live in New York city. Like, can we, you have a party in New York? I, I mean, at the time we're recording this, the jury is still out on whether or not that party is going to happen. Okay. And we're just, but to be in this now, that is a really uncomfortable place to be of unknown of uncertainty of what, what this, this story isn't going the way that I thought it would. And in those moments to settle in and be able to say, well, here we are in the middle of this story. 
this is so confusing and messy and not at all what I expected. I can't wait until two weeks from now. I can't wait until a year from now when I can look back and make more sense of this middle, of this story that was in the works. You know, Kendra, I brought this up because I don't know when you sent this email out, but you did tell a story about being in the messy middle and that you're not telling the story while you're in the messy middle. And I went through a very difficult personal situation. Um, you know, we, for those that are podcast listeners, you, you've heard me talk a little bit about this. I, we bought a house, we uh, bought a house with my parents. We did a renovation so that they could live in a suite. Uh, and we were on the, you know, they were on the main, we're on the upstairs and it did not go, definitely did not go as planned. Uh, things got really, really bad. Um, you know, my father, an unwell man, a lot of, you know, verbal abuse, narcissism, all these things. And it just got real out of hand. And I have a daughter, she's 11 now. Mm. And at the time she was nine and I just didn't want her to be in that situation. And I remember, I remember your words, Kendra. Oh, I'm getting so emotional. (laughs) I remember though, going through the story and saying to myself, I'm in the messy middle. And mm-hmm. it's this is only part of the story. And your words actually were some of the things that I was telling myself as I was in this messy middle. And I'm now, I'm on the other side now. Like we have our own house. It's just the three of us. And we love where we live and we're independent and we're so happy here. We just had the best Christmas, just the three of us. It was yeah. so perfect. But I wanted you to know that I agree with you that there's a whole book in that part about because so many of us think that the messy middle is the end of the story and mm-hmm. this reminder that, but it's not, it's mm-hmm. a chapter. And you, you look back, you know, I look back at a Christmas a year ago, what we were talking about as a family and how there was so much stress and anxiety because we had to put our house up for sale and all of these, like, it was just so much. And to be here a year later and to like, just have Christmas and enjoy it's a very, very different place in the story. So thank you for this. And I, you know, let's, we'll pitch that to your publisher for your next <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, and, and, and what a, thank you for sharing that um, with, with me personally, because there is nothing, uh, there's just no greater experience than, you know, it's like as a mother watching your child grow up and as an author or as a storyteller to see that message um, and how it plays out in someone's life and for sharing it with the listeners here, because I really, it, it is, it's a hard thing to do, but once you get into the practice of, and, and, and it's also a, a disassociation, it's, it's removing the shame, it's removing the embarrassment, it's just saying, oh, oh, wait, this is a, mi- I see you for what you are, and it's supposed to be like this, like middles are supposed to be like that, so that when you get to the, now the thing that isn't guaranteed is how long it takes to get to the other side or what the other side looks like. But that's also almost, I mean, again, if you choose to see it this way, that's almost the most interesting part to be like, I cannot see how this is going to turn out. It is so messy and miserable right now. I, 
I cannot imagine how this is going to turn out. Now, imagine if you were reading a book and you were like, because don't you read books and you're like, I know where this is going. You're like, I know who the, imagine if you were in the middle of the book and you were like, I have no idea what's happening here. You would be thrilled, right? You're like, bravo to the author of this book that they could, well, so to be able to have that same approach to our own lives and then to not say, well, it shouldn't be like this and I shouldn't be upset and I can't, all those shoulds, you can let go of those too. Because no, this is what middles look like. And the good news is there's two things that that you that are really important from what you said there. Number one, that you are where you are right now and that you took then the time to look back on that middle. Because it's so often we don't, we forget about we we forget about the hard because we just move on. We're we're moving down the road. We're moving down the road. And so we don't ever get to give ourselves credit for the hards that we've been through, the messy middles. But we need that credit for the next time a messy middle comes up and we could be like, oh wait, we've been in a we've dealt with this before. So the importance of when you get to the other side to go back and revisit the story as a whole. And the second thing is that, you know, maybe, maybe the story just kept going and it didn't ever, it didn't tie up as nicely as it did for this one. The good news is if you can't remember the middle, like if it, if you're like, Oh yeah, I forgot that that happened. That never, I remember when that was such a, the middles that don't tie up or, you know, those are called loose ends in books it's, and they don't really they don't really matter that much in the first place then so yeah that's i think it's one of the most important things to walk away with is is honoring and recognizing the middles of your stories thank you yes i um yeah it's it's interesting one thing you said i just want to mention is you know when we um when we got into kind of a legal battle i said to myself give me a year I want a year to figure this out. I I need a year to know where we're going to land as a family. And I kid you not, it was a year to the day that we took possession on this new house. And I had said to myself, and now you're right, not all stories wrap up like this in a bow, but I just knew in my heart, I was like, I need a year. And that year was very, very difficult. But I, the day that we, you know, moved to our new home, it was like, yeah. And I looked back, I was like, I can't believe it literally has been a year. So, wow. Um, yeah. Powerful stuff. And I think a lot of your book too talks about, um, this, um, idea that we go back to our positive stories and go back to those when we have difficult times. But there's one thing that I'm curious about, because of course you mentioned the negativity bias where we tend to look for our negative stories first and foremost. So I'm curious because the theme of my podcast and the way that I work is all about gratitude. When you, look at gratitude and a negativity negativity bias. How do you see gratitude helping us to overcome this? Yeah, I that's an excellent question. I think that gratitude the the two are the two are married. The not the negativity bias, but gratitude and these powerful positive stories that we can tell. Um and that these small moments, these stories, these events that have happened for us that tap into that, that reveal the things that we're grateful for and where you can just say, Oh, I, you know, so for example, we, 
I mean, it was such a mess. We, the kids missed a whole week of school, uh, the last week of school before the holiday because they were close contacts to me and my husband. Um, we hadn't done any Christmas shopping because I was launching a book. Like there was all, and we couldn't leave our apartment. We live in an apartment. Like we couldn't, it's not like we have a backyard we could go to. Like we were in a, an apartment <laughs> for a very long period of time. And, um, and I remember, you know, and you can get really, you can go dark about that. Like, oh my gosh, we're stuck here with prisoners. And I remember having this distinct moment of gratitude, listening to the kids playing in the living room with something, who knows what they were doing. They probably were playing with something they weren't supposed to be playing with or making a mess. I'm sure they were. And I was in the bedroom trying to work and my husband, I don't even know where he was. He was definitely in the house, but I'm not sure where. And thinking to myself, here we are. And there are no, there, there aren't three other people I would rather be locked in a room with or an apartment with. And, and I remember exactly where I was sitting. I remember the noise and the ruckus out in the other room and thinking, what a beautiful thing this is to have these three people that I have to see for the next two weeks straight. Um, so using these moments, these stories, these experiences, when we feel real gratitude, right? Not, not manufactured, but like, oh, where you're just overcome with it. And it can happen in these really small moments. It can happen when you see a sunrise or, I mean, just this morning, I looked out the window and I could see my neighbor across the cityscapes opening the it was way across, but I could see them opening the blinds. And I was like, oh, there's another person greeting the morning. And like just that moment, you know, these really small moments and knowing that we do have a negativity bias, that our brain is trying to keep us safe, um, that gratitude can be the antidote to, to that. It can be a way, these stories can be a way that our brain says to itself, no, we are safe. We are we are safe. This is what we have. These are the the beautiful things in our lives. Oh, I thank you for painting that picture with gratitude, because I think to me, often what happens that I hear other people talking about is the gratitude is, is a bigger thing. It's a big thing, but really it is such a, it's actually small. It's mm -hmm. in these moments, in this tiny moment of pause where you could make a decision either way to look at it as something that's not going well or find just that moment of gratitude in a situation which is not great. Like you said, lots of things stacked against you, Christmas coming, no shopping done, book launch, all these things, but you found it. And now you've, it's actually part of your story mm -hmm. because it mm -hmm. cements that memory into your brain when you're in a moment of real gratitude and reflection. Now, I love when people practice gratitude in any way, shape, or form. It's all good. It's all positive. I don't believe there's a wrong way to practice gratitude. Mm -hmm. And I just want to put a little, you know, exclamation point around this part of gratitude where it's literally you're in a moment and it cements that story because now you know, Kendra, as the professional storyteller, like this is now one of your stories. Oh yeah. And, right? and this that, is one of your stories. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and that, that's the other thing is like to see, and, and, and when you see these moments of gratitude, how, when you feel it, you know, like I can like feel, so this morning, um, 
I was on the day that we were, that we're recording this, um, I had to, I'm allowed out of quarantine. So I left and I needed to get Benadryl, um, for my son. Cause now he has it. Uh, and it, he doesn't, it's, it's this weird thing. It, it wakes you up in the middle of the night and keeps you awake for about two hours. It's very strange. So Benadryl, kids Benadryl for him and also Tylenol. We were out of children's Benadryl and children's Tylenol. So I go to the grocery store. First, I went to the coffee shop. I've got my iced coffee. I have a couple of pastries for the kids. Um, I then am walking home because, you know, we're in New York. I'm walking home. I w- see the grocery store. I'm like, oh, I should just stop in and get, you know, Tylenol and Benadryl. I go, I pull it off the shelf. I go up to the checkout and I put the Tylenol and the Benadryl on the belt. And the woman says, oh, you've got a sick one at home. And I said, yeah. She said, how old? And I said, 10. And she asked another question that was related to, you know, like, the situation at hand, um, knowing that it probably isn't just strep throat or something or a cold. And then, you know, and you feel, it's like these weird, you just feel so vulnerable. I feel so raw. Like I am just, we are. And she says, she says, go home, mommy. You've got this. You've got this mama. You take the, take these with you. We'll be thinking about your baby. Just the grocery store checkout person. I said, thank you. And and she's like, and you got your coffee. I'm like, I got my coffee. Cause I just got and got, and I like, walked out and you know like these the I, I am now being the storyteller I it is my nature to see a story um in everything and being a person of gratitude as you are you'll you know to every to to the person holding the hammer everything's a nail so like here's a moment of gratitude for you but but to see these see them for what they are and to like capture it. And this is something that I teach in the book actually, is when you see one of these moments, a moment, one of these positive stories, moment of gratitude to capture it, to, to tell it to somebody else, to write it down. So, so that on the day that you need it, like that story, I will always, it'll always spark uh, in my heart, right? Like a positive on the, on days when I'm feeling down. I, Yes, I love what you said there that we, because of our own personal outlook on life, we look at stories from our perspective. I think that's, I mean, the case with everyone. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, there is one last question I'd like to ask about the book, you know, in the interest of time, but there is one because you just yes. reminded me of this. And this is a question you asked in the book. And I thought, ooh, this is a juicy one. And it's how do we determine if a story is true because we mm. just said I'm going to see it from one perspective you're going to see it from another so how do we determine if a story is true you know this is um yeah and and this is a story this is a question that can get heated in many ways so the entire approach to this book and my entire philosophy about self storytelling is that it is it is extremely individualized. It is a deeply personal um, experience and it is a choice. It is an act of ownership and agency. And I think that I, I was having a conversation and, and telling a, a story that I often 
I write about in the book. It's the story about my daughter and um, feeling like I, I wasn't serving my children the best I could as a mother because I had this belief that you couldn't both love your business and be a mother. It was just this deep thing that I had um, and a story that I tell myself whenever I get stuck there to remind myself a story about my my children and who I am as their mother. Um, and I was having a conversation with someone and they said, yeah, but couldn't you? And there was this turning point where I was trying to make a decision about work. And I told myself this one story that led to one decision to go forward with this business decision. And they said, yeah, but couldn't you have told, couldn't this also be this story where you told yourself a different story and decided to quit your job or quit your work and really recommit to your family and live happily ever after that way. Right. So either one of those could be true versions of that moment and that story. And truth is within yourself and and what you really want and this is this is where it gets like maybe too maybe even too deep for where i'm comfortable with going there are but but like where what is it that you tr- who are you truly at your core what is that emerald city for you and and just you and knowing that the Emerald City can like shift and morph over time. Like what was your Emerald City when you were in fifth grade and starring in The Wiz isn't what is the Emerald City you or you, Julie, are seeking right now, right? Um, But the truth is a a story being true is um, your own truth and it's alignment with truth on that like surface level and then truth that that is much much deeper Kinja there I mean I could talk to you for hours but I am already so grateful for this time that you've given to me and to the audience of the podcast I am so excited to share your book choose your story change your life Kinja where is the best place for people to connect with you online I am, well, you can um, find me at kindrahall.com is my website. I put blogs and there's videos and so forth there. I'm also very active on Instagram at Kendra Hall, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, but I would say Instagram is probably, Instagram and Facebook are the best places to find me. And don't forget, you can get Kendra in your inbox every week as well. So I, I do recommend signing up for her weekly newsletter. I really enjoy receiving it. She shares a story with us. There's a video. It's very short, bite-sized, but it's, as you heard, uh, some of them can really impact you depending on, you know, where you are when you listen to that particular story. So Kendra, uh, thank you so, so much. I'm so excited that um, we get to share this on the day that your book launches. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited to celebrate you and to share this, you know, with everybody that I know. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. If you've been here before, you know that at the end of the podcast, I leave a little bit of an end secret, something you might not have known about me. I have been a Star Wars fan since I was a little kid. I was born in 1976, so just before Star Wars came out. Now, I wasn't old enough to experience the original Star Wars in the theater, nor did I see Empire Strikes Back in the theater, but I am old enough to have seen Return of the Jedi in the theater when it first came out. I love the original Star Wars so much that I can pretty much recite the entire thing off by heart. 
My husband says that he can't watch the movie with me because I will say the words out loud and it really bothers him. I continue to be a Star Wars fan today. I've seen all of the new movies and I have an opinion on all of them, but overall I really liked them and I've really been enjoying the new shows that have been on the Disney Plus network as well. So don't come bothering me on a Wednesday night because I'll be watching my Disney Plus catching up on the latest chapter on the book of Boba Fett. Anyone else a huge Star Wars fan out there? Thank you for listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope this episode inspired you to choose to practice gratitude in different ways than you might have before. If you're not already following the podcast on your favorite app, all you have to do is click on the check mark or plus sign under the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast name to make sure that you're alerted of all the new episodes. If you really enjoy this podcast and want others to hear about it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite app. Your review can help others to find the podcast and start to join us in choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.